Welcome to the Apple of Truth, our weekly podcast where we cover every single episode of Lucifer while celebrating the great parts, pointing out the bad parts, and answering questions you never even knew you had. I'm Lena. And I'm Vero. And we can't wait to share our love and hate for your favorite characters. Today we're talking about Season 5, Episode 5, Detective Aminadil. I know you don't listen to the Buffy Wars podcast, Buffering or Angel on Top. Not at the moment, no. But they have jingles for pretty much all the characters. And there's one jingle for Angel that is Detective Angel. And so when I see Detective Amenadiel, my brain instantly goes, Detective Amenadiel. <laughs> nice. It refuses to go out of my brain. It's just stuck there for the entire episode. I need to get back to that, actually. As far as I watched Buffy, I listened to Buffering and not further than that, obviously. Let me tell you what this episode is about. Chloe asks for time and space from Lucifer to process being a gift. Amenadiel takes over the consultant duties and does a surprisingly good job. Lucifer grows as a person with a lot of help from Dan. And in the end, we get a much-deserved Deckastar kiss. Trademark. Yay! It is emotionally, beautifully exhausting, this episode, isn't it? So for my obsession of the week, I have decided to go with no shortcuts. No shortcuts. Hmm. That for me was the lesson and not the obsession. The obsession for me was once again Chloe. Yeah, I didn't want to go with the same obsession twice. So I decided to go with no shortcuts because it felt like it's something that he is focusing on so much for the second half of the episode. If we agree on shortcuts being the obsession, I'm willing to concede and give you this as a win. Because no shortcuts is the lesson, but shortcuts are definitely part of the obsession. Okay, let's do shortcuts. Okay, I'm gonna give you this as a win, but since I didn't have it, this is not a match. But this is definitely a win for you. Yay! Look at me go! Let's go into the facts and puns. Oh my Lucifer. There is so much there. And there are going to be very IMDb facts that are definitely ending up in the bonus material. So do become a patron if you are interested in that. Or just go to IMDb and read it there. We have second time director Sam Hill. Previous episode was someone's been reading Dante's Inferno. Sam won't return. 13th time writer Joe Henderson returns. Previous was everything's okay. Four more episodes coming. Written by Joe himself. The title is said by Lucifer, which gives us two out of five episodes, which is still surprisingly low. Let's keep an eye on that. Let's go into the facts. Supposedly, there is an angel-winged Lucifer Funko Pop doll on Dan's desk. I couldn't find it, but IMDb claims it's there. Possibly a present from Lucifer in return for the Amethyst bracelet. Funko does not have a Lucifer line, but several fans have gifted custom-made ones to the actors at conventions, and there are independent artists who make and sell kit-bashed versions. This is likely one of them. There is a possible Easter egg in the Help the Helpless sign, which is super hilarious to me because the title already reminds me of this show. We Help the Helpless was the motto for Angel's investigation in the show Angel. And Sister 
whatever Angelica uh, says that to Chloe, right? Yes. That's so cute. And Lucifer gives Chloe a box of matches to burn his gift on the beach, according to IMDb and Google Translate. In Dutch, Lucifer means match. Ah. I had to double check this because it sounded so ridiculous. And lastly, this is the first time Lucifer has been shown in association with goats without taking them personally. Because it's not a personal association with goats. Usually he is way more touchy when goats are even mentioned. Okay, fair enough. He's been acting surprisingly mature in this episode. Exactly. So let's give him that. Okay, it is time for previously on Lucifer. Michael tells Chloe she's a gift from God and Mace that Lucy has a secret. Mace uncovers that he knows what happened to Lilith, manages to find her and confront her. Linda still thinks she's going to hell but haven't shared why. And Lucy and Dan had a good chat and now they're wearing matching bracelets. Perfect. Everything that is important is in there. And with this knowledge, we can move inside this episode while listening to Iggy Pop's Candy. Such a great song. And since you did not cover this song in your Devils in the Music, I marked this down as a potential song for the summoning episode. Yes, listeners, she is gonna give you Candy by Iggy Pop or the Clown Mystery from last episode or like a couple episodes ago. Isn't that great? You don't know. You have to listen to the summoning episode. All part of my plan. Speaking of plan, Lucifer has a plan. He has blindfolded Chloe and is leading her on the beach to an apparent surprise and the second you saw the gift lying on the beach and him starting to oh I had this really important moment I was like oh my god he's gonna go draw a parallel between his wings and her being a gift and it's not gonna work. I think it's surprisingly insightful for Lucifer to even come up with something like that. Obviously it wouldn't work and it didn't work but I was surprised that he even connected it to you know there was something that I really struggled with and this helped me to move on because it was very cathartic to destroy the reason why I felt so terrible and I think that it's surprisingly insightful and creative from Lucifer to come up with something like that. Also, it doesn't work the same way as with him. He literally had Mace cut off the part that he saw as wrong with himself and then got to burn it. Chloe has no way of physically separating herself from the part that she is struggling with. So the image is all nice and sweet, but apples and oranges, my dude. Apples and oranges. Uh, I was just very sad watching this because I just wanted them to sit down and talk about the real things. And I know that it's early and and she needs to go through and she needs some time to take. But I was just very frustrated because to me, since it's been so long since we've recorded, it feels like she's been struggling with it for much longer than she actually have been. So I just wanted to get it over with. Funnily enough, it had the exact opposite effect for me. I was not as annoyed with it as I used to be. And also this is the episode where the show finally gives the spelled out explanation of my definition why Chloe has no reason to be upset about this. Yes, that's also true. So I was extremely satisfied when we lead up to this because it is hinted at several times. Also, I very much agreed with her that she is asking for time and space because she learned something that she didn't know and 
that is affecting her self-image and her self-worth in some parts. And so before she can be with anyone, she needs to be with herself. And thus time and space are the two things that she needs. Of course, Lucifer later on is also right that she's just going to bury herself at work and not going to focus or work on this. But here in this scene, she is right that she needs time and space. But also, I am very aware, granting someone time and space when you want nothing more than to be close to that person is super, super difficult. Yeah, I think Lucifer struggles with it, but he surprisingly does a very good job of it throughout the episode. But in this moment, he is actually quite pressed for time still. So his solution to this is to go to Linda, which makes really good sense. Although it is seven in the morning and he barges in Linda's house and they have this really great cute communication when Linda just says it's 7 a.m. and he says end and then she gives him this look like oh yeah. I, why did I even, yeah. Time has no meaning for Lucifer usually, which is wonderful. Also, Linda is wearing superb pajamas. Like, I don't wear pajamas. I sleep in a nude because it's the most comfortable. But if I had to wear pajamas, those are definitely on the list. Not as high as the sushi pajamas from Buffy, but (laughs) pretty high. Nice. Yeah, and again, Lucifer is being quite mature in this moment and he's trying to, you know, I need to deal with this, but I don't have time and this is what I need and I don't know what to do, please help me. And she's trying to tell him that Ames is there, but he is pressed for time. Come on! He can't stop and listen to her. He just needs her advice. But how he's gonna get his advice if he's not gonna stop and listen you know classic lucifer it's classic lucifer while also classic while mature lucifer it's just a really weird combination and speaking of classic lucifer now comes a very classic writing thing that we have a problem with hmm, no hell does not have a warden hell no longer requires a warden and i'm just sitting there like that's not good enough give me more when ames shows up and they sit down and Amenadiel tells him why he left hell and why he thinks that hell doesn't need a warden anymore. And my first thought is, so you just hear a voice that sounds like a father and without any confirmation whatsoever, you just believe it? After having Michael running around like a crazy person impersonating people? I am convinced right now that Michael has imitated his father's voice to get Amenadiel out of hell to fuck it up for everybody. This is my assumption. Vero. Yes? You have to take things on faith. I'm not Amenadiel. Yeah, and both of us are not religious, so... It just, yeah, it just ring all the bells for me. It flew 50,000 red flags and I do not trust this situation whatsoever. I actually did not think that it was Michael imitating God because... I feel like that would be a step too far, even for Michael. But if God actually decided that Amenadiel does not have to be down in hell guarding hell, because apparently up to this moment it was required that hell has a warden. Now it's no longer required because of reasons that we don't know. But this also means that now Lucifer has time to spend on Chloe and their relationship and Amenadiel has time to spend on his son and his now new family, basically. So apparently God is a supporter for both these storylines because if he wasn't, then he would just not have had to tell them that no warden required. On one hand, yes, but at the same time, I'm sorry, he sent Lucifer down there for millennia. For, at first for human millennia, which you kind of understand because that was the punishment, but he was down there for months of human time 
We have repeatedly established that it feels like millennia down in hell. And God didn't care that he come deal with his relationship on earth. He didn't give a fuck. The thing is... Lucifer went back down to hell out of his own free will, which was a first. Previously, he was always reluctant and he stayed down there without complaining, more or less. And only because Amenadiel came and offered the opportunity to have a short visit back to Earth to deal with the meddling of Michael is why Lucifer returned. And maybe because this was actually an altruistic motivation, not for himself, not to entertain himself, but to protect and heal his friends and love. Maybe this is why God decided, okay, you now have grown enough to no longer require the punishment of being the king of hell. Okay, I can see that. If we presume that God is merciful and good and thoughtful, which I don't. God's a dick. Obviously. As I've made pretty clear in the past episodes and seasons, I have no love and no understanding for Lucifer's father. Yeah, well... We go to therapy! Or at least Linda's office... Because I now have Linda's and Linda's, which is very confusing. (laughs) We go to therapy slash maze talking about Lilith. A visit to her mother. Found the bitch. Yep. Linda immediately catches on and now we have finally a little hint of why Linda seems so hell-bent on going to hell. Also, this is an extreme form of self-identifying with Linda that leads up to her confessing to Mace. And I have made no secret that I am not a fan of the whole storyline itself. But this scene was incredibly well done. Yeah, the whole situation between the two of them, even for the rest of the episode, is incredibly good. And you get the little bits and pieces. And we've talked about this before with Maze in season four. We always are so worried for Maze. We are so worried that she's not gonna handle things. She's gonna fall apart. And sometimes she doesn't. And sometimes she is amazing. And this is the inconsistence that to me then rises to the top is that then I struggle believing either or if it's unpredictable like that. But actually that is really really human because if Maze is becoming more human it makes sense that she's becoming less predictable in her behaviors because humans are not predictable in their behaviors because they are not one dimensional. When she was just a demon with just vengeance and torture and pain on her mind it was to be expected that she would behave one-dimensional. But now that she is becoming a more complex character, to me it makes sense that she is all over the place because she doesn't know her new self yet well enough to control herself. Because let's be honest, self-control has always been an issue for Mace. Yeah, and it will be forever, I think. So let's chat a little bit about Maze's reaction in this scene. So she just gets up and just leaves. And Linda seems really desperate. And I think if Linda would have gathered the courage and she would have talked to Maze about the situation and that would be a prompt for Maze to go look for Lilith, their relationship would have handled it even better and they wouldn't have to go through the strain they're going through right now in this moment because then it would have been based on listen I know that you struggle with your mother and I have done something terrible so I think that you should maybe look more into the details of the situation before you judge because see this happened to me and I struggle with it every day and I suffer 
because of it every day. And this is why I think I'm going to hell. If Linda would have come up with that approach rather than just leaving it to the last minute and then sympathizing with Lilith over her best friend, the situation could have gone a little differently. I completely disagree because Linda makes it very clear that she has never told anyone this so she would never ever have told anyone unless it wasn't absolutely necessary and she only is telling Mace now even though this is the worst possible timing she's only telling Mace now because it's more or less literally breaking out of her yep we pop into the precinct and the title already tells us that Amenadiel is going to help on this case and this is all I have to say about this scene yeah I was kind of wondering if maybe Lucifer have prompted Ames to go over to the precinct after all or anything like that I don't think he actually did but it would be interesting it would be kind of fun and for a moment at some stage I was convinced that Amenadiel is gonna just tell Chloe off for her trying to avoid Lucifer that would not be very Amenadiel I know it would not and that's why I was like oh that would be funny and no it would not be him at all so it was kind of weird that it felt like it's like building up to that and then they come in with the murder and (laughs) Chloe says something in a sense of I'm gonna avoid God for the time being and then we get the cut to the entrance to the convent and as that is happening and we have this for me quite iconic look at Chloe standing in front of that gate we get a song one of my favorite songs ever by Depeche Mode called Personal Jesus which is the beautiful theme of my Devils in the Music this week so ahead to the bonus to learn more details about this song. And Chloe goes, hilarious. And yeah, I agree. It's fucking hilarious. Also, God is a dick. Yeah, I laughed. So did I. But I'm still saying God is a dick. We cut over to see Ella taking photos of the crime scene, feeling kind of self-conscious with the nuns looking on. And she goes, oh, it looks like an angel. And I just say, Ella, no, angels don't look dead. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's a good point. Ella is being... Ella about the whole situation it's kind of weird seeing her interacting with the nuns and then she kind of comes up to Chloe as Chloe is trying to interrogate the nuns and she just does damage control which is incredibly funny did we know that Ella considered becoming a nun? We did not know that I don't think but it's a fun little tidbit to know about her. It doesn't surprise me to be honest because she did find her faith and it would be kind of a logical progress if she was running away from something extremely bad to go into something extremely you know to devote herself to something other in a quite extreme way. I do wonder if Ray Ray talked her out of it. I really hope she did. And of course as is to be expected this is the moment where Chloe now starts going overboard with her self-identifying which is going to continue throughout the entire episode but I actually didn't mind it as much so the four-week break in recording really helped. And then we have the call that is, of course, set up in a way to suggest it's Lucifer. But, of course, it's a Menadiel. I was so mad at them. I was so mad. I literally wrote down, why do they do this to me? Why do they make it look like this? Because I love it. It was supposed to be Lucy. And then we get a Menadiel. Why? It's perfect. They have a couple more misleading moments in this episode. And they're 
they're all very fun, but this one just kind of stabbed me in the bag when I wasn't looking. Poor Vero. And this scene closes out with the title card, which is back to normal. We go over to the precinct for a very short scene, which most importantly tells us that Lucifer is still wearing the bracelet, which is so cute. And also, apparently Lucifer is going to have to do paperwork, and I love it. Yeah, same. I was kind of surprised that he's coming up with actual viable ideas to help Chloe without you know, being in a close proximity of her because that's what she wishes. And he's being obviously quite rude to Dan. He's not worse than usual. It's more playful, it feels. And the way Dan just kind of takes it in with a stride, it's just beautiful how much their relationship have changed. If you would have watched this scene next to a scene in season four, any scene between the two of them in season four, you would not have believed that it's the same relationship, you know. And it's not. It's changed very much. But sadly, it also mostly changed because of Michael. Yes. We cannot forget that. However, Michael prompted the changing and they did the changing on their own. You said that and I'm running with that. I'll fight for that way of looking at it. Still, Michael caused it. He did, but he didn't mean to. Intent doesn't matter. This is a discussion we keep putting off. Well, intent doesn't matter in this moment because it makes it better for me. You do not want to have the discussion now. In this specific situation, the fact that he didn't mean to cause Lucifer and Dan being friends makes me happy because that's what happened. Once we're done with Lucifer, we're going to have one special episode where we just argue about intent. Yes, it's going to be exciting and everybody's going to love it. Obviously, there's nothing more fun than listening to us argue. Anything else for this scene? And uh, no. General question. So Manila has now more than one power or is this new power replacing the time-slowing power or... Someone explain angel powers in the Luciverse to me! <laughs> no, it's the suspense. Okay. <laughs> to me, possible explanation to this could be the fact that he spent some time in hell. And yes, it was probably just a couple of days for us, but it was probably a few years down there. So maybe it was his newfound power, but also maybe he had it in him all along and it just was drawn out by the fact that he was standing on a holy ground. Ooh, that's a good idea. If there is no other poll coming up, this might be a good poll. Is this a new power? Is this something that he always had? Or is this something he only has if he is standing on hello ground? Yeah, I feel that Amenadiel gets to a stage where he arrives to the crime scene and he is extremely happy about himself being there, being called in by Chloe. And he's just like, oh, it's so cool. And it's somewhere where, you know, I feel close to my dad. Then there's a whole exposed thing happens. And that was hilarious. But then we get the whole effect on the nuns. And that's just weird and creepy. And that there's this thing that they do every other scene it feels like in this episode is that they kind of suggest something and then they cut to something else so for example in this one is this whole like they're coming after them the nuns are gonna murder them or they're not gonna but yeah zombie like yeah and then cut goodbye and it's gonna be at the end of the next scene as well 
where we go back to Linda's office and Mace came back quite quickly. Very surprised. Which made me so happy. I was so fucking happy that she came back. Happy and surprised. Pleasantly surprised. And I was looking at her face and it felt like she is really not actually willing to listen, even though she is there physically. Which... Still a progress. I didn't clock her like that. To me, she does listen. But she's basically waiting for her cue because she already knows that she has found the daughter. And so she's basically just waiting for, give me the right word and I'm gonna drop the information like it's hot, but I need a nice segue. (laughs) We learned more details about Linda's experience. And we already mentioned a lot of... Yeah, I conflated this and the previous scene. Yeah, yeah. We've talked about most of these things already so there's no reason for us to linger around too much except of course pointing out that just like I have said repeatedly Linda and denial for pregnancy goes hand in hand so I was obviously very right feel free to delete this I just had to say it feel free to think it Can we just point out that Maze's skills as a bounty hunter are fucking amazing because she found the daughter like that. It was super impressive. I have that remark in the next scene where they actually go take a look at her. But yeah, I have this in all caps here. Did Maze just find her like that? Yeah, my all caps were what? She seems good. And then just a cut. And how dare you people? That's my all caps. (laughs) Because it was, they're they're just attacking me left and right in this episode. I love that you felt constantly attacked in this episode because I was constantly just asking myself questions, which I love, especially when the episode answers several of them, but not all of them. So I keep asking, but I'm not getting frustrated because we go back to the crime scene. And at that crime scene, we're about to do some fun things while listening to a song by Louis II called Glorious. Glorious! This whole interrogation is extremely adorable. I love it so much. It was so entertaining. Yeah, and I didn't understand why they're so into him. It was just, what's happening? Also, it was so perfectly done that she, at the beginning, has a manual sit in, but then she realizes that she is a distraction and so she removes herself from from the situation. And she is annoyed by this, but she is so smart that this is the best way to handle this. And I absolutely love this. Yes, Chloe is struggling and she has so much shit that she needs to deal with, but she is still fucking super cop Chloe. Something that used to annoy the fuck out of me, but that I have come to appreciate. And it is wonderful to see her being competent. Speaking of Amenity Hill's new mojo, mm-hmm. so many questions. I try to equate it with Lucifer. Like, okay, Lucifer has desire. So what does he have? And we know that Michael has fear, right? And so I was like, okay, Lucifer, desire, Michael, fear. What does he have? Does he have trust? Does he have truth? Does he have faith? Because apparently the nuns are believers and so maybe it's special or something and doesn't work on Chloe, but nothing works on Chloe. So didn't Michael kind of work on Chloe? And so I was completely spinning my wheels there. Spiral. And this later on gets explained by Amenadiel and I love the explanation. This is where my brain started like whirling, 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 whirling. And then later on I get wrapped up in a rational good answer and I love it when they do this. It's very beautifully done. Yeah, the payoff is extremely satisfying. But 
we are in this scene and we are in this scene where after the interrogations are kind of over, Amadeel meets Chloe outside and they're just chatting there amongst each other. And it's just like, oh yeah, so she's done it. Probably, yeah, let's go talk to her. And then suddenly they turn around and the fucking nun sneaked up on them. Yes, creepy fucking nuns. Fucking penguins. Yeah. Did you never equate nuns with penguins? Well, I do now. Just look at a picture of a penguin and then look at a picture of a classic nun. They're the same, to quote The Office. They're the same. Yes, they're the same picture. No, I never actually did, but I will from now on. Thank you for that mental image. You're very welcome. Also, it was super obvious that the nun was not going to be our actual murderer. Well, obviously. But in order to figure that out we need to talk to her and in order to do that they need to take her to the precinct where lucifer is behaving like a five-year-old he's such a dick but it's so cute it was just very endearing to me seeing dan and lucifer communicating and you know if i compare lucifer to a five-year-old i can say that daniel is a good father because he explains to him that shortcuts are not the answer lucifer hard work Work pays off. But shortcuts are kind of Lucifer's expertise. They are, for sure. But this quote I had to write down because it felt significant enough to the situation. And also it's your obsession, so... Yes, exactly. I fully agree with you. Now I give you this. But no, you are completely right. That's the fun part that Lucifer's expertise are shortcuts. So suddenly he finds himself like a fish out of water trying to figure out how to navigate this. And as I have said before, and I will probably say again in this episode, he does a surprisingly good job with it. And it's nice to see because this show repeatedly puts them in situations where they are confronted with stuff they're not used to and yada yada yada. But here he is very, very focused on, okay, what can I do? to make this better for Chloe which is why I went with the obsession being Chloe because his main goal is like okay I have to fix this somehow I have to make this okay and I don't know how and so he is trying everything that he can somehow think of with in the beginning of with the present burning because he kind of tried to relate to it and now he's going to Dan like okay you usually make Chloe's life easier by working for her so I assume if I help you I'm gonna help her and so this is gonna make sense and this is one of those moments where when you compare it to season one you see how much lucifer has grown Mm -hmm. i like these small moments where you can just take a breather and be like wait previous lucy would never have even considered this or thought of this and now it nearly comes easily to him like he's still struggling to go the long way and everything but thinking of it and then following dan's advice accepting that dan can give him a viable advice even yeah so good because this is something that even in season four would not have been like possible so i really really appreciate this and this is also one of those moments where you notice that this was written by Joe or Ildi because their episodes usually give you these deeper insights where you go like, ah, here is the arc, the progress. Yeah. So you know how we mentioned that Lucifer came back from hell unchanged. Maybe this is the thing that changed for him is that he kind of grew up a little bit and is more responsible and more thoughtful about people around himself, which would kind of explain why he took the bracelet from Dan and why he is so creative and respectful of Chloe's wishes. It just helped him grow a little bit more. I think that happened before he went because this is 
why he went down. Well, yeah, I feel like it definitely started and I think it definitely helped that he had a lot of time to think and deal with him. And I also think it's the reason why he visited the hell loop of Mr. Said Out Bitch. Possibly. I feel like we did talk about Michael implying that he's Lucifer and he's changed because it's been millennia, whatever. Maybe Lucifer indeed did change just a tiny little bit and he grew up more. That's my thesis. Yeah, but not because of hell, but because of the time. But now, while all of this is happening, Amenadiel, or rather the nun, comes into the precinct, followed by Amenadiel, and Lucifer confronts him with the treasure drop, Detective Amenadiel. And I kind of hate how dismissive Lucy is of Amenadiel, but he gets over it quite quickly, so I didn't have time to be too annoyed about this. In fairness, Amenadiel really thinks he's doing such a fucking great job, so he needs to be taken down a little bit. Because, hey, it's a solid job, but it's not that amazing, so... He's definitely not better than Lucifer. Well, he's definitely better than Lucifer dealing with the nuns. For once. That would have been fucking hilarious to see the desires of the nuns. Unless they are immune to desire. That would be interesting. We could ask Joe what the nuns' desires would have been if Lucifer had been the detective and not a manadial. Yes, that would be interesting. We go into interrogation and we go to more self-identifying time for Chloe. We get this beautiful thing said by Sister Angelica. She grabs Chloe's hand and says, you have more control than you think, my child. And I say, yes, exactly, because you are the only human immune to Lucifer's power. And this is exactly what gets explained later on, so I don't have to be enraged for long. (laughs) And right before we go back outside, the sister continues talking about faith. And Chloe is kind of like, but free will and faith and you can't have both at the same time. And I'm like, yo girl, faith and free will are not mutually exclusive. It depends on what type of faith you have. Faith and control. But she is basically talking about how she has no free will. So I disagree with Chloe. I get why she is not willing to look at any gray area. Because at this point in time for her, there is no gray. There is just everything is shit. But depending on what your faith is, there obviously is control and free will and everything. It's all potentially possible. It just depends on what your faith is. Just had to get this in there before we go back outside to Dan being the bestest bean ever. He is so good and patient with Lucifer. My heart aches. I'm telling you, he's a good dad. Like seriously, Dan is the best when he's being a dad. He is on his best behavior. He gives the best advice. He is just the best when he is being a father. So he kind of leads Lucifer through the process of going through uh, phone records. And Lucifer just really doesn't want to be there. He kind of is over this shit already. And he's just like this kid who just stumps their foot a little bit. It's like, but I don't wanna. And then he sees something interesting. And that is Destiny Page's number. Which is hilarious that he knows her number by heart. Even after all these years, always. Like, how many numbers do you know by heart? I uh, remember my mom's number my dad's number. I remember my own number and that's 
pretty much where it ends. I used to remember way more when I used to borrow my mom's phone. Yeah, pre-cell phone, we all remembered way more numbers. But nowadays, I remember my mother's number because it's the same we had growing up. I remember my own number. I remember my work number. And I remember for some super weird reason, the phone number of my first ever boyfriend. Oh, I used to remember that. I remember that one for a really, really long time because back then I had a phone, but I didn't have enough credits on my SIM card. So I would send him text messages from uh, internet or I would borrow my mom's phone to send him text messages. And I had to remember (laughs) his number in order to do that. Uh, Sorry, complete. It's Amazing that Lucifer remembers this number (laughs) and Dan is really, really happy with him. And he goes, great work. And Lucifer is so offended by this. And I fucking love it. It's so good. This is the retribution that Dan gets for helping Lucifer is seeing his face after saying good work. And Lucifer being like, no. Great work. He says great work with a thumbs up. And Lucifer (laughs) is so up upset about this. Oh, perfect. We go back into interrogation and we learn that Amenadiel is a Destiny page fan. That moment where he starts describing Destiny's latest album and he's really excited about it. He talks about it with so much passion and then he realizes what's happening and how he revealed himself. And he just looks at Chloe and his face completely changes and he says, please don't tell Lucifer. Lucifer can never know. <laughs> oh, this is some good blackmail material for Chloe. Not that she would ever use it. Yeah. I also, I wanted to appreciate D.B. Woodside's acting in this moment because that was excellent. Speaking of so good, perfect moment to cut over to Linda and Mace going to a showing of a house, apparently. And I just have to say, this is so incredible sweet of Mace that she coordinates all this. Of course, like throughout the scene, she is extremely pushy and everything and Linda then pushes back. But the baseline for this is wonderful and I love it. So you touched upon this already but how long do we think Maze was gone before she came back to Linda's office like an hour or two an hour yeah so she left for about an hour and she somehow not only managed to find who the kid is where does she work probably where she lives but she also managed to find out where exactly she is located right now it's extremely impressive so Holy fuck, Maze, well done. Also, super, super big props to the casting department. The daughter looks exactly like I would expect Linda's daughter to look. Yes, very much so. And then we do the little dance about asking the questions. And it's just so funny and sweet and cute. While also it gets marginally more and more aggressive. (laughs) over time. Also, this is the second time that Maze is the supposed spouse of another woman because we had this happen with the school episode with Chloe and Maze and now Maze and Linda are a couple and I just love when Maze is behaving like a spouse. It's so fucking hilarious. I love it. Wasn't she also a spouse for the bounty she had in in Canada or something? Mr. and Mrs. Mezekin Smith? Oh, yeah. Yeah, for a little bit there. And also she was playing a spouse to Chloe again in uh, the poker club. Oh, right. So this is the fourth time. Yeah. Third person, fourth time. Nice. 
And just like you said, this is getting more intense and more pushy. And so Linda apologizes like, oh, we just need a moment together. And she steps out with Mace and confronts that this is not how this is going to go. And I am actually with Linda that it has to come from Adriana to want to meet her. But this is also the moment where I was like, yeah, but can she even? If Linda just walked away and left no information, how would Adriana ever have the chance to find her? And again, later on, this gets addressed and there is a solution for this. So I'm very much with Mace that the connection needs to be possible, but I'm also very much with Linda that the driving force needs to be Adriana. Exactly. They have this conversation about the fact that Mace should deal with with her problems directly with Lilith and not via proxy as a Linda. And weirdly enough, Mace takes it and she actually does it. Weirdly enough, it felt supernatural to me. <laughs> supernatural. It was natural, but to me, Mace is behaving very, again, very mature. You know, like I keep flinging that word around today but they are all behaving very adult today so you know it feels fitting so we have this whole situation and they keep talking they keep interacting and trying to repair the damage that seemed to have happened in the first scene where Linda revealed what happened to her so them actively working on their relationship while also actively working on themselves is something that we've been calling for for a really long time and it's beautiful to finally see it working and it's done so well because to me it feels so consistent with each character can joe write more episodes please i'm really 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 digging this all of them but and i know that i also hated episodes by him in the past but this one is really 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 good we come to one of my favorite scenes in this episode because there are several things in here that had me laughing loudly while sitting at my computer i had a thing that made me yell so let's start with you then okay so we go back into the precinct and the nun is being let out past lucifer and he starts crossing himself but he does a fake out with the last part of it and it's so hilarious to me lucifer <laughs> it's so funny it's great and then he starts having the conversation with ames where he actually points out something that explains a lot of Amenadiel's behavior thus far and that is that he feels guilty for being the cause of the whole miracle thing which i didn't even think of it didn't even cross my mind that that could be the reason. I thought that he was trying to make things better for Lucifer and being a good brother. Okay, to me, this was super obvious because right after Lucifer and Amenadiel talk about it, oh, does she also know? No, she doesn't. He goes into the precinct to check up on Chloe and is being super helpful. So to me, it was like, duh. And of course, again, duh, this is the worst possible place to be talking about this, guys. Come on. Because who overhears this? It's Chloe. And I'm glad that she does, though, because at least this way, they won't have to harbor this secret away from her and just wait for her to feel better and then blur another bullshit at her. It's better for her to just deal with everything at once. And then she, again, as children, 
sticks them into the interrogation room. And I'm sorry, vindication for Veronica, because this is a logical assumption of Chloe. The first assumption that she makes is that Amenadiel might be her father. And thank you, because that's what I said. And... I was rudely <laughs> shut down by the German section here. And again, I reacted very rudely because this is the moment where I was laughing out loud at my screen. Also because of the delivery. The delivery is so good because she is so earnest and their reaction is my reaction so this is so fucking wonderful and i love it a minute you're my dad and it's just because you know <laughs> he is the one who made her happen so it's only logical for her to ask the question just to be sure it doesn't necessarily mean it has any merit i mean i disagree with this part but the next question is utterly logical to me because she asks do i get more than just immunity to lucifer laser heads or something and i'm completely with her if she is a fucking miracle child if she is a gift from god there has to be more to her than just being immune to lucifer like where is my special part of being a gift what do you mean is that not enough to fall in love with the devil no so I'm very much with her and they, of course, are not. And I know I have complained about this whole situation. And I think all the way back to season two when mom reveals this. I have been extremely explicit in my annoyed stance that this is going to be an issue and how they're dealing with this and yada yada yada. Lauren German plays this in a way that actually makes me way more sympathetic towards Chloe. Because while it was all just theorizing I had a very little compassion for the potential and unavoidable reveal to Chloe. I was pretty much older. Just get over it. It's not a big deal. It's actually really helpful because you're immune, because you can actually get to know him as he is. But the way Lauren German plays this, especially in this scene, I started feeling for Chloe because she was created for someone else. And the basis to a healthy relationship is a healthy self-image. And if yourself was created for someone else, you are going to struggle to create a healthy self-image. And so this actually helped me emphasize. And so I want to say hats off to Lauren German for finally making me feel for Chloe when it comes to this topic. Thank you, Lauren. You are incredible and you have done something that I've been trying to do for the past year and a half. I admire you. Just wanted to say that. <laughs> and again, something that I want to point out as a confirmation of something that you said in the past, we do not actually know why Chloe was created. We only know the side effects of her creation. The side effect is that she is immune to Lucifer. It doesn't necessarily mean that that is the reason. Yeah. And we have a lot of assumptions and supposed truths. Yeah, exactly. And we're working on a, like, based on, and she is working based on a lot of assumptions. And this didn't help either that the way it was first worded for her was you are a gift from God for Lucifer by Michael. It was deliberate. Which actually is wrong because she is a miracle child. Exactly. If she was first confronted with this information, being told that she is a miracle child, it just gives you completely different feel. So yes, it needs to be rewarded. And I am extremely happy that this is what happens at the end of the episode. Yeah, because if it had been presented to her that she is a miracle child and one of the side effects of being a miracle 
Miracle Child is that she is immune to Lucifer's power because she also seems to be pretty immune to Amenadiel and Michael and everything, right? So maybe she is immune in general to Celestials. Then she could have asked questions like, okay, have there been other Miracle Children? Like, is there history that I can study? Just like she went to the fucking Vatican and read up on the devil. She then could have gone on a research binge on Miracle Children. But the way Michael framed it, like you said, was worded deliberately in the worst way possible. But this is what he does. So there's no surprise there. And there's also no surprise that the reaction has been this strong. Yeah. Let's go over to Dance Practice by Destiny Page. Not Dan. (laughs) Which is not going to make sense unless you listen to the outtakes. I don't have anything to say about the actual dancing, but right after we go backstage and Chloe gets stopped by a bodyguard who demands a warrant. And I had to write down, Chloe might not have a warrant, but she has an angel. (laughs) Yeah, I thought that she was there by herself and I half kind of expected her to just arrest the dude on the spot for obstruction of justice or something like that, which she doesn't do. And it makes sense because that would be a very un-Chloe thing to do, but she is in distress, so I wouldn't put it past her. But Aminadiel is being a creepy creepazoid by just flying into the dressing room of Destiny and just staring at her. There's a lot of weird staring in this episode. Yeah. But of course, he's talking to her, expecting his newfound mojo to work because true believers react to him a certain way. But Destiny apparently is not a true believer because he has no effect on her. And so Bodyguard and Chloe storm in and Chloe did not send a Menadiel there and thus it makes sense that he is there. Yes. And then we kind of start talking to Destiny and Destiny is sort of weirdly cool while also being a terrible human being. I was weirded out by her. She actually writes on the better people list for Lucifer's side characters. And I mean, you go girl, one month sober. And also later on they do get her chip back for her so that is also nice for her because she was struggling to stay sober and so maybe getting that eaten and shut out piece back might help her hopefully and speaking of goat yoga my reaction was utter unbelieving that this cannot possibly be a real thing listen to this week's devils in the details to learn everything that is to know about goat yoga yes I'm serious that was my topic see my reaction to goat yoga was wasn't, is it a thing? It was, why is this a thing? I also answered that question in my Devils in the Details. Thank you. I feel so enlightened already. <laughs> because I had to listen to it already. Yes, the divine light has come across me and now it's shining on me. What accent was that? I don't know. <laughs> It was one of the people that lives in my head. Oh, perfect. So speaking of goat yoga, let's go to goat yoga. Let's go to the goat yoga today. Okay, I need to stop this. And I feel so sorry for Dan because he has to dig through the shit to find the proof. But Lucifer says 
okay, I'm going to help. And I was very confused how the fuck Lucifer was going to help. Talking to people, that's what he does. But just a quick comeback to the beginning of the scene. This was yet another misdirection from the directing of this episode where we hear Lucifer's voice saying something in can't believe that I'm here doing this or something like that. And then we zoom out and we find out that he's actually not doing anything and it was Dan's arms all along. It was very on brand. It was extremely funny. And I love these little misdirections. Oh yeah, absolutely. But also poor Dan, he always gets the short end of the stick. Yeah, but he loves the groundwork. He said it himself. He loves doing the groundwork because it makes him feel needed. And then if he goes higher, it makes him more susceptible to corruption. But he does not like digging through shit. Well, who does, to be honest? Correction, Hodgins from Bones loves digging through shit, but he's Hodgins. I haven't watched that. Doesn't exist. <laughs> Love you. You should talk to our listeners who voted for you to watch Bones and you still haven't done that. You betrayed them. That's okay. I complained in the black and white episode that Kevin Alejandro or Dan always gets put in these so hilarious situations where he is the butt end of the joke and everything. And I have come to like Dan as a character way too much to appreciate that anymore. When I didn't like him, I found all of this fucking hilarious. But now that I have put him on my number one space of favorite characters, I don't want to see my boy Dan having to go through shit. That is my personal issue with this. And I know it's my issue and not his, but... He is pretty great. And speaking of terrible things happening to characters, Mace decides to go back and confront, actually confront her mother. But her mother died in the meantime. So she comes to an apartment that is being emptied out by strangers. And I just have to say, this is the worst timing. But as I said before, since Lilith was human and she was created equal to Adam and Adam is in heaven, that means Lilith also has a soul. So she is either in heaven or in hell. Pretty sure Lilith does not go to heaven. So she is now down in hell. Mace should go down to hell and confront her there, in my opinion. But now I have a question. Mace stays there. She gets a few minutes alone from the moving people, which is very, very nice. And she starts looking around and a song starts playing. Please tell me about the song because this song is amazing. It is indeed an amazing song. It's by Anderson Rocchio and it's called Paradise. It is on the list. So... Yes, you can go there and listen to it there. Because this sound with her in the apartment first looking at everything and then turning violent and smashing the picture, which is a very classic Mace reaction and everything, this really got me. She went there with the intention of putting money where her mouth is, of confronting her mother, dealing with this situation, of working through this, of taking Linda's advice, using her growth, and then this door metaphorically slams into her face and she has to deal with this and Mace is still struggling dealing with emotion in a healthy way and so it is very understandable that she is lashing out in a violent way against things and I actually expected her to trash the entire apartment so I was very proud of her that she only broke the one thing yeah I know there's really nothing else you can add to that it was heartbreaking to watch and Leslie Ann Brandt did an amazing job on that scene we go back to Go Yoga and apparently Lucy did 
did put in the work and Dan found the coin and everything. And then they have this with the engagement ring. I didn't understand it. I didn't understand the hint. It took me all of the next scene to be like, ah. And I was like, in this scene, like, huh? I don't get it. It's not like you haven't seen this episode before, girl. I was like, well, my brain is empty. It took me a minute there as well, to be honest. I genuinely thought that they're just staring at her boobs together. But it was kind of clear that it was going to be about something else. This is more weird staring, like you kept saying. The episode of weird staring, yeah. I, for one, want to point out that Dan looks incredibly proud of Lucifer when he realizes that Lucifer actually did the work so their relationship is growing and then now they realized the whole ring and a necklace together and they're super excited to share that love love my heart is full of love for the bromance of the dan and the lucifer but now that you have made me aware of creepy and or awkward stares, my note for the next scene in the precinct. The first one is, why is Amenadiel staring at Chloe? Because this is the only time I noticed staring. Because he's a creep and a weirdo. He don't belong here? <sighs> Come on, that was the only possible answer. Yes, yeah. Give it to me. Yes, praise me. You did well, you caught it. <laughs> it's smart. Mm, yeah, it was very difficult to catch, I know. Yeah, hey, it's been a while. And of course, they are talking and Amenadiel is explaining like, oh, and you just keep on going. And it's so inspiring. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Chloe goes like, uh, so you're calling me a sadist. I'm like, ah, 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 hold, stop, wait, no. This is not sadist behavior, my dear. This is a masochist behavior. Do not mix up the terms are very different. If you put someone else through this process, then you're a sadist. Yeah. So, uh-uh-uh-uh-uh. Just read the book by Marquis de Sade. No, don't. It's horrible. Seriously, don't. If you want recommendations on what to read, send me an email. I'm going to give you a list. If you want hints, tips, whatever for this whole thing, hit me a line. Not you. You, Vero, also you, you, Vero, but also you, listeners out there. Let's go back into the episode. I have stopped complaining. We can move on through the scene. So, a minute deal starts talking about the whole situation for a bit and he essentially tells Chloe that he doesn't have the answers because he never asked the questions and neither does Lucifer and I think this is very important to convey to Chloe the fact that they are in the same boat yes they've known about the situation for longer but they can't answer her questions because they never answered them themselves they never had the answers so this is just another step towards her healing or maybe understanding the situation better. The fact that they are all on the same level now. Of her accepting what they are all in. And speaking of accepting, while they are talking and having this honestly kind of sweet moment with each other, Dan and Lucifer rush in and Lucifer starts with, oh, I, 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 and Dan goes, we, and Lucifer acknowledges and switches over to we. And this to me was just the perfect culmination of the bromance shown in this episode and then they explain their theory and everything and then we have bracelet bros for the win yes because lucifer mentions bracelet bros and gets a dirty look from dan at the beginning and now dan embracing the nickname it's yes 
so good. Also, there is a GIF that I need to use when we post about this with them cheering with the bracelets with each other. Clicking the bracelets together. Click the clock. And then I was back into skeptical me mode because the nun just shows up out of nowhere. And of course, everyone thinks that she is going to spill the beans. And so I was like, so all of this with goat yoga and digging through the shit and then bonding was unnecessary. But then, of course, she doesn't spill the beans and she doesn't know anything. So, yes, they still had to figure all of this out so we can actually ask her the relevant questions. But for a moment, there was like, no, it was all for nothing. How can you do this to my boy? <laughs> but speaking of Francine, they take her into the interrogation and the conversation could not be more dirty. Yes. I was easily like, oh my God, is she hitting on Ames? This is not going to help. Is she what? Uh, I was convinced that they only wrote the conversation this way. So it feels to us that she is implying something, but she's not actually implying it. But turns out that she is actually implying it, which made me really laugh. It's basically a double brother bluff in one person and it's ah. Uh. And then we have Emanuel's interpretation of her feelings. And he says, it's like your love for God is being reflected back at you. This whole situation. And then he says, I'm starting to understand what this means. And I'm like, well, share with us. Why don't you? I did not understand why. Me neither. And I did not only go like, yeah, so what? This is a sucky power. That's not a great mojo. Also, he really needs to learn how to turn it off. This is not good. This is not helpful. He needs to learn to turn it off just like Lucifer can not make everyone go completely crazy about him. So we learn, yay, the bracelet bros clue helped and was necessary. And Lucifer actually learning from Dan is totally my thing. But also Lucifer turning it around when Francine kisses Aminadil and Dan wants to go into the room and Lucifer going no shortcuts to Dan and Dan's like, oh yeah, you're right. And then kind of bonding with each other over that moment is excellent. And Chloe's just like, what? Dan is learning and connecting with Lucifer and Lucifer is learning and connecting with Dan and Dan lets this happen instead of being his usual slightly grumpy self and then we go out of interrogation and the hidden roomy thingy and Lucifer talks to Chloe and he uses what he learned from Dan no shortcuts and it made my heart so happy it's really cute and he says no shortcuts and she leaves and you can see that he is struggling with the concept he is really hurting but he knows that this is the right thing to do and he truly believes it because lucifer don't lie he believes what he's saying so you know that it's all honest and beautiful i'm really proud of him he really did good and i'm really really proud of him he and dan have to be best buds forever now we go back into the convent of which i now know is the building and not a group of people <laughs> and i remember when i first saw this i was super confused in this first few seconds how chloe found the door and this time i realized that she has the blueprints in hand and of course 10 seconds later it gets explained but this time i saw like oh, okay you can instantly tell and it makes sense everything is perfect also can i just say i also kind of want a secret room gimme yeah you know what let's build ourselves a secret room some people would call it a panic room yeah i don't really care what's in the room to be honest i just it could be just the kitchen or the bedroom or whatever Ooh. i don't care 
That sounds fun. But I want a secret door. I want a secret door to a room that not everyone knows about when they come into my place. Or it doesn't even necessarily need to be the only entrance to the room. It can just be secret door. So it has main door and then it has a back door. A shortcut. Haha. Ooh. Did we just figure it out? Yes, we did. Ah! No official shortcut. <laughs> Unless we all agree. So we go down there and they look around for something. And then they find something with DNA on it. Segway, turn around. Hello, bodyguard Hank. It was him all along. Yes, it was him all along. Hi, it was me all along, you troubling children. No, and he says, it's a shame you had to find this before me. He's such a good boy. No, he's not. He's a horrible piece of shit. Listen, they would have figured him out even without that stupid cup. So, whatever. And so, he is there. We have the conversation that I didn't care much about. But I do like the him complaining about the made-up nonsense. And then a minute you're going, What if it wasn't fake? And then going completely savage on the man. Yo, a manager. Savage. It was great, though, because the guy was gonna shoot. And you could tell that he was going to shoot. And a solution was perfectly fine to me. But the entire episode, Amenadiel is so soft-spoken and careful and mindful of everything. And he pays attention and he's interacting with the nuns so sweetly. And here you have, like, I'm stepping in and I'm telling you what if it wasn't fake and I'm getting out the wings and I'm blowing you off your feet by a flap of my wings. And it's like, wow, okay, dude, behave. I know the dude killed a nun or a future nun, but still, like, wow. <laughs> it was amazing and also it keeps being amazing because we cut outside and we see Hank being taken away by cops and he looks at Amenadiel and goes like oh get me away from him and he seems as terrified of Amenadiel as people usually are of Lucifer after seeing a devil face and that I really liked because this is what I have been preaching about the yeah Chloe should just see the devil face and she's gonna deal with it yeah it's okay devil face wings there's not much difference yes the one is even more terrifying than the other but both is pretty terrifying unless you're charlotte then it's just amazing and perfect and okay but we get the conversation now it's a the conversation and it still blows my mind even though i knew this was coming and i seen this before it still blew my mind the way he explained it she is not the gift the fact that she's immune to Lucifer is a gift. And therefore, it is a gift that they have together. They have been both given a gift in order to be able to fall in love. And they could have not fallen in love, but they did. I mean, it was much easier for Lucifer because imagine how extremely lonely your life would be if no one ever sees you for you, if everyone always sees you for their own desires. So it is much more understandable that Lucifer felt in love but she didn't have to she is the one who had the choice he is the one who didn't i think oh i think he also had the choice yeah well technically yes but you know what i mean the thing is celestials are immune to each other 
apparently. So Amenadiel goes very explicitly. He leads up to the, he had this revelation with his own power and reflecting back and explaining how Lucifer's power probably also works. If I reflect back the love of God, Lucifer reflects back the desires of other people, which also makes sense that depending on how strong Lucifer's self-actualization is, he's reflecting more or less. It fits with everything that we've learned so far. And Amenadiel goes on to say, Chloe, you are the only mortal who sees him for who he truly is. And I feel like this mortal is relevant because in theory if Lucifer hadn't been banished down to hell and surrounded by just demons who are without a soul incapable of love as we have learned from Mace if he had other angels around himself and he as an angel is capable of love it goes to extrapolate that other angels are also capable of love so he might have fallen in love with another angel. With one of his siblings though. Yeah, incest within the whole weird angel thing is not that unusual so it's perfectly fine. But since Lucifer did not have this option of interacting with his angelic likenesses. He only had mortals to interact, but mortals were never able to interact with him on even footing because of the power. So now that she is immune, that she got the gift of being immune and that Lucifer got the gift of meeting that one person that is immune to him, them crossing paths was obviously deliberate by God. And I agree fully with you. They both have been given this gift. Because I don't think Amenadiel says it as explicitly that both of them have been given this gift. He only says, you're not the gift that is. But you are absolutely right. The gift has been given to both Lucifer and Chloe. And this is the realization that is necessary. She is a miracle child who has been given a gift. And he is the devil who has been given a gift. Yes. I was so happy with how this is communicated within the show, how this was built up and how well it fits with every tiny bit that we have learned in the past four and a half seasons. And so I have no idea at which point in writing they decided to go with this. And this is actually something that I would be very, very curious to know. Like at which point did they know that this reveal and explanation was going to happen? And this is something that I want to put on the list for Joe and Dildy. Yes. And so I just say amazing writing. Thank you Joe for giving us this moment because this is probably one of my favorite moments in the entire show. It's incredible how well everything suddenly adds up. You go through this show and you kind of struggle. Well, we struggle. We go into details. We're trying to figure out bits and pieces and put together clues and see them the way they're meant to be seen. But it's like when Dan talks about the puzzle at the beginning. It's so chaotic and there's so much around. But then if you find that one piece that fits, suddenly everything fits. So, yeah, thank you. And speaking of a really, really well-written episode, we go over to Linda's place. And this is one of my favorite moments in this episode because we had this confrontation between Linda and Mace at the showing and Mace gets to blow with her mother. And then we resolve all of this because Mace comes back, she talks to Linda, she gets very emotional talking about it, that she didn't say that I hate you. And she didn't say that I forgive you. 
at her switching into the direct speech when she talks to Linda on both levels was really well done for me because it's important for Linda to have this being told I hate you I forgive you and also for Maze to say it like this I hate you and I forgive you because this moment was denied from her she is helping Linda to get to that moment for herself by giving her the form to fill out and this is something that I really also appreciate and I think it's again show of a big strength and growth from Maze is that she even comes up with something like that that she's not trying to force it with violence or strength or anything like that she is going and respecting Linda's wishes but she is also helping her to achieve that moment of reconciliation with her own daughter Linda and Maze are friendship goals that's just what it is because now Adriana can find Linda if she wants to now she has the option and that is something that in my opinion wasn't possible before because how would she have found her how would she have had the information not everyone can hire a Maze who finds people in the blink of an eye literally not to mention that before they went to visit Adriana they didn't even know if she is aware that she has been adopted because um, a lot of kids wouldn't really know that but because they know that she knows it is more likely for her to someday turn around and say well what if I try to look up my real parents and if now there is this database it is possible for her amazing scene wonderful I'm fully with you hashtag best friends forever goals Linda and Mace and I love how much Mace is growing and also the boundaries that Linda is establishing We go into the final scene. It's the last scene. It's the last scene. Yes. Question. The song he plays on the piano. Do you know what it is? I think it's a bit from the final song that starts playing later on. Is it? I wasn't sure. And so I was hoping that maybe you... It sounded very close to it. So I did not investigate any further. Because the last song actually plays and it starts with an instrumental piano. And it's called This Year's Love. And it's by Jasmine Thompson and it's very very good and as <laughs> Lucifer has proven to us over and over and over again the TV show Lucifer they have an incredible taste in music and it always goes really well with what we are about to see so what are we about to see I am about to see a lot of caps lock <laughs> I just have to point out, because I tend to always point it out, he really needs to lock his doors. And how the fuck did he not hear the ding of the elevator? He usually hears the ding of the elevator when someone comes in. I think he was just really lost in his thoughts. I think he's just really struggling and missing Chloe, and he was just elsewhere. He's a fucking celestial. His hearing is supernatural. Shut up. (laughs) So Chloe shows up, and she starts talking about Amenadiel and his theories. And let me just tell you, over the past few seasons, Amenadiel has had a lot of theories and weirdly enough a lot of them were actually correct yeah Amenity was a smart one he knows all the things and everything she's not talking about the theory that he shares with her about her being a gift she's talking about something that is hinted on at the end of the last scene and that's the vulnerability and the way she puts it She says, if you choose to be vulnerable around me, I choose to be vulnerable around you. And excuse me, if this is not the most beautiful declaration of love, I don't know what is. Abso-fucking-lutely. This is so well done. 
it is utterly human and it is beautiful. Because what is being in love and open with each other if not being open and vulnerable with each other? Showing who you truly are, aware of the risks that come with it. So yeah, and then of course we have the music playing while all of this happens and they lean closer to each other. Let, let's, let us build up. And they lean closer to each other. And you can see how hesitant Lucifer is. Like he is making double sure that she is not flinching away or feeling uncomfortable with this. And he is really being careful with her. And then they kiss and it turns into a really, really good kiss. And all Decker Starshippers exploded. All over the stars. All over their chairs. Um, sorry. Oh my god. You can cut that out if you want. Speaking of exploding, no, I don't have a transition into this. Let us wrap up this episode. As we might have mentioned several times throughout this episode, we had the longest break between episodes recording since we started this podcast. And I must say this was a great episode to come back to it. I'm really glad the whole Chloe struggling with being the gift story is now more or less dealt with. We get the official reveal on Linda's abandoned my child story. Mace gets to never have proper closure with Lilith. Ames is properly back on Earth because somehow Hell needs no warden anymore. And Dan was a super happy and healthy version of himself. All in all, this was great. This is one of my favorite episodes this season so far. They tucked on my heartstrings. They gave me laughs. They gave me tears. They gave me explanations. They gave me more questions. They gave me everything I want. And hopefully we finally get some proper Decastor shipping happening now that all the secrets are finally out in the open. Ben. I would not be me, though, without a complaint. Oh, no. God, you are doing so well. No, no, no. And you're gonna agree with me fully on this. Where the fuck was Ella? We had this tiny moment where she seemed to be drawn to a Manadiel or was shocked about him not exposing himself to the nuns. Which, the more I think about it, the more it makes sense. But after this moment, she's gone from the episode. Why? Give me more Ella. Give me more Ella backstory. Give me more Ella character development. What is happening with the bad boys? What is happening with her troubles? With her struggling? With her faith? Give me. Give me more fucking Ella. But otherwise... This episode was fucking amazing. Next one, now. Yes, this episode made me extremely happy. Watching Linda's and Mace's friendship is extremely rewarding. Lucifer learning something from working with Dan, actually respecting Chloe's wishes, coming up with the bracelet bros, and Dan accepting the bracelet bros, as I have mentioned, is excellent. And seeing Imanadiel helping Chloe to get through this whole gift struggle, it's just such joy to watch. It gives us so much satisfaction after months and months of struggling and going through different theories from one to another for us ourselves. <sighs> Amazing. It's just really, really, really good. One thing I can't wait to see is see how Michael managed to pretend to be God to convince Amenadiel to get out of hell so he can stir some shit up with the demons. So that's one thing I'm waiting for. But other than that, mwah, mwah, mwah. excellent. And with this, we say thank you for listening. Please find us on our various social media. We love interacting with you either over there or when you send us emails to lucifer at taot-podcast.com. If you want to get even more personal and have secret chats with us on our exclusive Discord server, you can join our Patreon over at patreon.com slash taotpodcast. We have a whole bunch of different rewards such as early release, merch and hours of bonus content. Yes, 
hours. If that sounds like too much pressure, you can help the show by leaving positive iTunes reviews. They really help. Or telling all your friends about us, because nothing beats a personal recommendation. Thank, Thank you. you! Bye! Bye.